In the name of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. When I was a little kid and in elementary school, I went to an Episcopal school that began every day, whether it was rainy or shiny or cold, outside in the circle in front of the flag. And we would say the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we'd all say the Lord's Prayer, and our principal would share some kind of poem or a thought with us before we all processed back into our classrooms to begin our day. I have really vivid memories of this circle time, probably because it was often very, very cold in our kilts and our sweaters. And because at this time of the year, there was always the sound of geese in the early morning, flying south over our heads for the winter. The sound sort of cutting through the cold air, making it feel like it was closer than it was. And sometimes my principal would even read a frost poem and put a very fine point on all of it. And so now whenever I hear that sound of the geese flying, I remember standing in that circle and looking up overhead at those perfect uniform Vs that they make while they travel. It's a sound actually that we've started to hear a good bit around here these days. And so it's been in my head a lot. On Friday, a letter from Rowan Williams, theologian extraordinaire and former Archbishop of Canterbury, made its way around at least the internet circles that I hang out in. And in the letter, he explores the idea of herd mentality. Rowan breaks down the idea that as human beings, we really don't usually want to be part of the crowd. He talks about the fact that we never want to give away pieces of our individuality, of our autonomy, so that we might be like everyone else. One sort of mind-numbing, less-than-human mass of automated people who have everything in common. We don't want to be part of the collective. It's not our nature. Somehow that seems to feel less human, as Rowan says, because when we're all the same, we lose the pieces of us that make us us. Instead, as we know, we all sort of have this rebellious human urge that appears differently in everybody, probably, but it makes us want to stand out, to be the best, to be ahead of everyone else, to achieve more, to win more, whatever it is. But then Rowan contrasts this urge, this image, with migrating geese. And he says, flocks of migrating birds so often amazed by the complex patterns they make, wheeling and spiraling in wonderful interwoven patterns like a cloth shifting and rippling in the wind or a stream flowing over stones. Groups of animals and birds don't by any means always look as if they're stupidly following a mindless collectivity. Their collective life seems to reflect a kind of intelligence that is being deeply shared. What if something like the human version of the migrating flock were possible? Somehow each bird in the flock is attentive to the movement of others, subtly adjusting its flight to theirs. Somehow this intelligent awareness of the group produces harmony and beauty. When we look up at the sky, we can see that they move as one. They sense each other. They're connected to each other. Rowan Williams goes on to suggest that as Christians, this is in fact what we are called to. Not some mindless version of belonging where we give pieces of ourselves away, but a deep shared intelligence, shared knowledge, shared love, 
that is attentive to the needs and the presence of others, love that leads us to be mindful of each other, love that puts the needs of the whole ahead of the individual, love that values the safety of every member, love that refuses to leave anyone behind because every member of the flock is important and will at some point share in the significant work of leading, traveling, and surviving together. Today, on this very strange St. Matthew's Day, when we can't be all together in person, we celebrate still and remember the life and witness of St. Matthew, our patron, Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was by all accounts an outsider and a traitor. He would have been hated by his own people because he worked for the Romans, because he took money from his people and gave it to the emperor. The stereotype would have been that he was much more interested in his own gain, in his own needs, in his own safety, perhaps even filling his own pockets with the money of his neighbors at the expense of the greater good of the whole people. Tax collectors were hated for this reason, and Matthew would have been no exception. We know from elsewhere in the text that the disciples were literally appalled that Jesus calls Matthew and tells him to follow. They can't believe that Jesus would even talk to this guy, let alone choose him. But Matthew leaves his tax booth in that moment. He leaves behind his desire to take care of himself, to put his own needs first. He gets up and he moves. He leaves behind a life where he was selfishly only thinking about himself, and he instantly, in that moment, for the sake of Jesus, chooses to become part of the flock, of Jesus' friends of the group that will follow him around and eventually change the world. And Matthew never looks back. He becomes part of that shared intelligence, part of that shared love, which does, in fact, over time, because it takes the disciples a while to, does, in fact, over time, learn how to move together, to attend to each other's needs. And as he grows in his faith, he becomes more and more sure and prepares for a future where, as an apostle, after Jesus' death, he does, in fact, change the world, teaching other Christians and the early church about what it means to be faithful, what it means to belong to each other. This morning in our passage from Proverbs, we hear, Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. It begs the question, I think, this morning, how loyal are we? How faithful are we? Especially in this strange time of COVID, how loyal and faithful to God and to each other are we? To this place, to this community that has cared for us and nurtured our faith and connected us to friends and companions and helped to raise our children and cared for the sick and dying, how are we loyal to God and to this place and to all the people who are a part of it? Are we faithful to the gifts that God has given us as a community? Are we attentive to the needs and the journeys of others in this flock? Or are we more focused on ourselves and our own individual needs? Today, for the first time in our living out of Corona Tide, we're celebrating spiritual communion which means that none of us will receive physically, including me. None of us will actually consume the bread and wine after we celebrate the Eucharist together, but we will receive it together spiritually, which is an old practice and an ancient belief and custom of the church that Jesus is so present in the bread and the wine and in our experience of celebrating the Eucharist together that you can actually receive communion simply by seeing the consecrated elements 
by participating in the process and by inviting Jesus into your heart. The Eucharist is perhaps the most obvious place that we are bound together as the body into one flock. Each of us receives the same grace in equal measure, and no one is ever turned away from the table. Everyone is able to participate, whether we've all gathered in person in the sanctuary like we used to and we will again, or in this case where we've gathered virtually. Each one of us has equal access and no one is excluded. Everyone has a place, everyone is welcome, everyone is cherished, and no one gets left behind. Just like those migrating geese who travel great distances together, pulling against the wind and the weather, and refuse to leave anyone behind. There are still so many ways for us to be faithful and loyal in this time, to be connected to each other, to grow together on our spiritual journey, to choose to be like that fabric that ripples in the wind and the stream that runs over the stones, so connected and so united that we anticipate the needs of others and continue to grow together, welcoming new people into our midst even in this time and making room for new ideas and new leaders, even while we refuse to leave anyone behind. If you came to the parish update last week, you heard me talk about a program that St. Matt's will participate in this fall called Renewal Works. It begins with something called a spiritual life inventory, which is something we need every adult in the congregation to engage, to share with us where you are on your spiritual journey and how the church can support you in that growth. This program will help us to assess the spiritual growth of the parish as a whole, mindful that each one of us is an individual and mindful of the Christian reality that we are also called to be a collective, a collective defined by shared intelligence, by shared journeys, by shared love. As we do this program, we will be compared with more than eight years of data from other churches who have participated. So we'll have a chance to learn from other people on their journey as well. And throughout the fall, a team of people from St. Matt's will look at this data that's coming in from you and help us chart a course of spiritual growth for the future for the whole community to plan programs and initiatives and imagine what next steps might be. One of the things that I've heard over and over again from some of you in this time is a deep desire for formation and spiritual growth. And that is part of the reason that we're engaging in this program this fall. I've heard you say and have a sense that there is a lot to learn in this time, even now, and that we're sort of grappling with how to do that. But even in Coronatide, there are so many ways we can grow together in faith, even while we're separated or anxious or frustrated, even when we feel distanced, there is an incredible amount of hope in our life together if we are faithful to God and loyal to each other, if we are willing to be part of God's body, part of God's collective. This can be a tremendous time for us to focus in on spiritual growth, to re-engage our prayer lives, to meditate, to study scripture, to make that a priority, and certainly to make our relationship with God a priority. The practice putting the needs of the whole community ahead of our own, and to practice our commitment to inclusion, equal access, shared intelligence, shared journeys. So, my friends, how loyal are we? And how faithful are we? And what will our witness be? Jesus calls Matthew and he follows. He leaves behind this witness and this promise that everyone is welcome. Will we leave our tax booths behind? Will we leave behind those places of comfort where we put ourselves ahead of others and hang on too tightly to our individuality? 
where we leave behind our places of privilege and go following after Jesus in order to build justice and beloved community simply because he asked us to follow? What will be our story in this time? Will it be one of compassion and of commitment, of faithfulness and loyalty? Will it be a story of spiritual growth? And how even when we had to physically stay away from each other, our love for God and each other brought us closer and strengthened our resolve and strengthened our witness. How will you follow Jesus in this new season? Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Amen.